Hi, and welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Felt. A cancer diagnosis is one of the hardest slap in the face imaginable. All of a sudden, you have to become an expert in cancer and its treatments because your life depends on it. Oncologists, family and friends are pushing you towards chemo, radiation, surgery, yet you feel there are additional solutions out there. You don't feel confident in that only traditional therapies will take care of it. You may, as I have, seen family or friends quickly go downhill from harsh medical treatments. There is a better way. I invite you to listen to stories from real people fighting cancer successfully through powerful, integrative, and holistic methods. Learn what they did. This is my gift to you to make the learning curve less steep after your diagnosis. The information this podcast could save your life as it has others. Well, Lisa Grishow, I am so excited to have you on this segment of interactive, you know, integrative cancer solution. And yes, it's going to be interactive. We're both going to be talking. <laughs> so, I think that was a perfect slip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so. Lisa, I mean, you have not gone through a cancer journey yourself. You've gone through a very difficult journey uh, yourself, and that drove you into what you do uh, as a as a functional uh, nutritionist. And uh, but you are working with a large group of cancer patients, and you've been helping a, a, you know, a tremendous amount of different patients. And I wanted the uh, the audience to have the opportunity to. Yeah, uh, listen to me pick your brain. Sure, I would love that. <laughs> uh, first, I I just want to kind of lay the foundation. I mean, how how did you get in? What what was it that happened that got you into you know what you are doing now? So um, my story is a little bit different. I had I grew up always having different funky health issues and saw allergists and all kinds of doctors. I was always having GI disruption and could never really get any answers. So I got into food um, and I thought I was doing the right thing. I was eating alternatively and I was a vegetarian for nine years. I thought I was doing the right thing and I got sicker and then I was the quinoa queen. You know, I, I was doing everything I thought was good. And then fast forward to 2015, prior to that, I was kind of the person that a lot of my friends would come to and say, what should I eat? What should I do? But then in 2015, I had an accident. I fell um, off of a young horse that I was training and working with and um, landed. The approximation is anywhere from like nine to 11 feet on my skull, suffered a uh, it's there's kind of a discussion whether it was a mild or a moderate traumatic brain injury, had amnesia, aphasia, aphasia. Um, uh, what else? Oh my gosh. Uh, dystonia, um, just lots of stuff, really crazy vertigo. And my recovery was very long and very hard. So I was told by the Western neurologist that they thought I would recover. They wanted to do a lot of injections. I did do some sub occipital injections and they made me way worse. My speech was bad. I was going through OT occupational therapy. My speech was bad. My balance was crazy bad. I had some cerebellar damage uh, right at the craniocervical junction, was diagnosed with a Chiari malformation as a result of the trauma. I just wanted my life back. I had a completely different business. I had clients that relied on me, but more importantly, my family and my children. And the Western docs were telling me that I needed to do MAC injections under anesthesia for about a three hour procedure. And they wanted to put all kinds of steroids in my brain, but they could never tell me how it was gonna help me. And I kept saying, there has to be another way. So I got online, I started researching. And at that time I was eating more paleo, thought my life was good. And the more I researched, I found that people were healing themselves using carnivore diets. I was a former vegetarian years back, but there was no way I was going to use a carnivore diet. And the more I read over and over again, um, I started to learn that the human brain loves animal fats, right? It's an animal protein. It's an animal fat based organ. 
So I decided to try it. I sat down with my family. They thought I was crazy. And I said, I just need 30 days, 30 days. And my teenage son, who loved meat, but I wasn't a big meat maker, thought it was the best experiment ever, you know, because he'd come home from football and say, Mom, I need a snack. And I'm making him a ribeye as a snack. And he was like, I don't know who you are, but I'm in. So um, I kept up that diet for solid carnivore, nothing else. I was meat, egg, water, rarely any cheese, but sometimes a little bit of cheese, but meat, egg, water, and sometimes some tea. I kept that up for over two years. During that period, my Western neurologist were noticing that all of my benchmarks were increasing, but I wasn't doing any pharmaceuticals. I refused because every day put me on gabapentin and tramadol for a while, and I had suicidal thoughts, and I wouldn't do that. And then they tried to give me other stuff. And I said, no, I'm not going to do this. It's It just is not working for me. So they're seeing everything increasing. And they kept asking what I was doing because they had other patients who were not as bad as I was that were not improving. And I told them I changed my diet. And they said, no, 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 it's not that. Can't be that, right? And I'm like, well, that's the only thing I changed. Well, after a while, I realized that Western meds weren't going to work for me. And by the grace of a uh, brain specialist, ophthalmologist doctor, I was introduced to a functional neurologist in the Chicago area. I went in to see him and what should have been like a two hour intake wound up being four and a half hours. All of the diagnosis kind of fell into place. They started working with me. They asked me what my diet was. And I thought for sure they were going to be like, oh, what are, why are you doing this? And instead they were applauding, basically going, yes, finally, somebody who gets it. So as my recovery journey continued, these same doctors and that team kept telling me, you need to do this. Like you need to make this your life's work. Sidestepping a little bit, I was fully integrated into all kinds of traumatic brain injury groups on Facebook, online, because I wanted to heal myself. And as I was doing this, I started coaching other TBI patients. They started seeing the same benefits. And then I started coaching friends and anybody who needed to lose weight, whatever. I got really involved in ketogenic diets, carnivore diets, and things really started clicking. So um, some of these doctors, two in particular, just said, you really need to do this. And I said, who me? Like, this isn't my specialty. And they said, you don't get it. Like, you're one of the best biohackers we've ever seen. You know more than most doctors. And then that started progressing. I was getting referrals from other people I had worked with. Um, I was told by another functional neurologist in the San Diego area, I had moved out of state that I really needed to take this seriously. And he said, if you take this seriously, you know, I'll refer people to you, but you really need to take this seriously because you're good. So I went, I got certified in carnivore diets, ketogenic diets, modified ketogenic therapeutic uh, supplement support became a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner candidate and just started doing all the work. And lo and behold, everybody just started showing up at my door. It truly is an organic business that fell in my lap. And by the grace of God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, my injury brought me to where I am today. So, um, you know, I have some gifts that keep on giving. I have a little bit of a head tremor that pops up every once in a while. Sometimes my aphasia picks up. But by the power of food, using food for wellness, I have my life back. And it's a really beautiful life. So after doing that, I had people reaching out to me who had cancer. And I said, I haven't worked with cancer before. I've worked with brain injuries. Neuro health is my passion. And after one person said, well, would you try? And I started researching cancer. And fortunately, I have a really good network of influencers and people who have trusted me and I trust them. And I could go out to them and say, hey, I've got this client presenting with XYZ. Here's what I think I'm going to do. What would you do if they were in your door? 
And so far, I don't know how this happens, but people look at me and say, that's what I would do. You're on track. You need to keep doing what you're doing. You know your lane, stay in it and keep going. So somehow I was gifted with this. I'm not the end all, that's for sure, but it's working. And so to date, um, currently my cancer client load is not as heavy as it normally is. It's probably about 40%, but there have been times where my cancer clients are more like 80%. I handle um, cancer, I handle brain injury, um, a lot of autoimmune, weight loss, fertility, you name it, it's all on my website. So that's kind of my story. I love it. I love it. So yeah, and and I mean, it's diet is such a powerful tool when when an individual is dealing with cancer and to be able to use diet to uh, starve cancer to shift high energy, how, how it's produced in cancer cells and in normal cells. And I, obviously, the brain in itself yeah, is is uh, it's such an energy producing uh, organ. I mean, about 30 percent of all the energy that is is consumed in the body is consumed in the brain. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, how energy is produced becomes so vital anytime you deal with brain. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what are some of the strategies, you know, when, when you have a, a person with cancer, you know, coming and obviously there are different types of cancers. You have, you know, breast cancer, you have prostate, you have and those kind of hormonal based you have, uh, and then you have something as severe as like, you know, different gliomas, you know, that's mm-hmm. in the brain. So are there different strategies depending on the type of cancer or, are there certain similar, you know, strategies you would use, you know, as for, for all of them? So what I do, I do a very deep dive with any of my clients, whether I'm dealing with a cancer client or simply somebody who comes to me and says they want to lose weight. I really want to know what's going on holistically from head to toe. And on my intake form, there are some really weird questions and people are like, why should I answer this? But the answer to that question might lead me in a different direction than if I didn't have that answer. So I do some deep diving. Depending on the type of cancer, I try to make sure to choose a bio-individual protocol that makes sense for that person. It is planned to help dial back, eradicate, or kill off the cancer cells. But at the same time, It's also there to help boost their mitochondria based on their prior health history. So it's not a one size fits all for me. I have dealt with some really interesting cancers. I've dealt with a very rare glioblastoma that was, it's an H3K27 mutation. He was estimated to be one out of 100 people in the entire world with the way this mutated in his body. It's a brain cancer that was mutating in his lumbar spine and did not metastasize into his brain until much, much later. That was crazy. Um, Lots of breast cancer, colon cancer, um, some liver cancer, small cell lung cancer, other lung cancers, gray zone lymphoma. I currently have a client with gray zone. She's finished her treatment. She's looking good, but we started working together when she was first diagnosed. Um, As of today, I have a brand new client who has uh, appendiceal cancer. He had his appendix out 20 years ago and he developed cancer during COVID because they left a small portion of his appendix in. It's very bizarre. He's estimated to be one in 1 million. So very, very rare. So anytime I have cancer presenting, I'm going to look at that health history. I'm going to look at the cancer. Is it estrogenic? Do I need to worry about hormone disruptors? I think everybody should get rid of hormone disruptors, frankly, but what is going to make the most sense? With those cancers, I tend to go higher fat in my protocols. I want to see a good level of protein, not necessarily high protein, mostly a moderate level of protein, but I do want to see higher fat for most people if they can tolerate it. Not everybody can handle super high fat. 
I tend to follow kind of the influence of different doctors and researchers out there. I also tend to kind of follow the paleo medicina model of the paleo ketogenic diet using higher fat, using ruminant meats, minimizing carbs and sugar as much as possible to not populate and feed the cancer cells. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, so it becomes very <laughs> bi-specific. So if an individual would come to you uh, and, and they, you know, I'm doing plant-based, I've, I've done plant-based. I mean, what, what do you, what do you say to that? So I have had that happen. <laughs> I have made it a point in my practice to not coach anyone who is vegan. And it's not, as I said in the beginning, I was a vegetarian for nine years, many, many years ago. It's not a matter of disagreement on their diet. It strictly is that I know I cannot get the results that I am known for when I'm working with somebody on a vegan diet. I 100% believe in animal fats and proteins as healing modalities for the body. I will work with vegetarians who are either lacto over, they're doing uh, dairy and egg, or if they're only doing egg, I can work with that because I know I can get some of that animal fat in there. But I want to make sure that anybody that comes to me is going to benefit from what I'm coaching. I just don't feel I can do that with somebody who is not ready to step away from a vegan diet. So I've had those conversations before and have just said, I'm not the coach for you. And I will give them another reference to someone who might be able to help them and coach them. I only want the best for everybody. And I might not be the coach for everybody and that's okay. So what does, you know, for, for people that say you have an individual dealing with a cancer and they just kind of want to wrap their head around what that diet looks like, you know, what, what are some, I mean, you've, you've given some kind of main guidelines already, mm -hmm. uh, but I know there, there's some very kind of specific details that, uh, that is kind of a general details as to how the, the diet will kind of play out. You know, do, do you sure. mind just kind of giving a, a good, you know, for somebody that has never, you know, doesn't know what you're talking about so that they have a, a good feeling of what it should look like? Sure, absolutely. The Basically, what I am coaching is an elimination diet. So we are eliminating the foods that are not bringing wellness into the body, that are harming the body, especially when you have a cancer diagnosis. My goal is to introduce foods that are going to benefit the body. I'm looking to create wellness. I'm looking to heal the mitochondria. I don't want anything in there that is going to create more disruption with the mitochondria or damage it. Healthy mitochondria doesn't get cancer. It doesn't happen, right? So I want to kick all the bad guys out, bring the good guys in. And I'll let people know that I do that a couple of ways. Number one, we start by elimination. Elimination is scary for a lot of people because number one, food is comforting. Food is what we surround ourselves with socially. So the first thing that I ask a client to do when they come to me is think about your why. Why are you coming to me? Why are you choosing to do this? And when it's a cancer client, if it's not a terminal diagnosis, it may be, well, you know, this has followed my family genetically. I have children. I want to know how to take care of myself so that I don't pass this on to my kids. I can teach them how to eat. That's great. When it's terminal, it's normally I want to live. I have to be here. What can you do to keep me here? Those clients work the hardest. They absolutely do. Their, their resolve is so strong. And I relate to that because my resolve with my brain injury was so strong. And it still is almost nine years later. I know what works for my brain. They know that they want to live. So we start eliminating. The very first thing that we eliminate, and this list is going to be a little bit long. But for um, any that, that's your, perfect. Yeah, that's yeah, perfect. For any of your listeners, they need to understand Although this list might sound long and it might sound scary, most of my clients love the food they eat. Even though these things aren't on their list, 
a lot of times we can find a food that is complementary to something that they're missing. It may not be exact, but if they are wanting that and their palate is craving it, I can mimic that. I always tell my clients that there are three ways that our body communicates with us. Number one is with the brain. The brain sees food and wants it. Oh, I'm craving that. Number two is with the mouth. Our mouth starts to salivate and go, mm, I need to taste that. And the third communicator is our body. And unfortunately, that's the one we don't listen to. And it's not the one that communicates us with us at the time we're about to eat. We get that communication after we've already ingested the food. And the majority of people don't pay attention to what that communication is. So your brain says, hey, I want that. Your mouth says, I want to taste it. You eat it. And your body, maybe 40 minutes later, maybe the next day, maybe two days later, might be just repulsed about what you put in it. And all of a sudden, you're gassy, or you're achy, or you're itchy, or your nose is running, or you all of a sudden, you're like, Oh, I'm getting a cold, or my sinuses are filling up. That is communication. I teach people how to pay attention to that communication. And that communication tells us what stays in the body and what goes. So my number one list of don'ts is sugar. Sugar is out. Does that mean that my clients can't taste anything sweet from here on out? Heck no. There are a lot of alternative sweeteners that are not going to raise the glycemic index. And we can use those alternative sweeteners. Stevia, um, allulose if it's tolerated, monk fruit, erythritol. We all naturally have erythritol in our bodies. You know, putting a little more in isn't going to hurt us. Um, so we remove sugar. Alcohol, not ideal especially when you're dealing with cancer. Sometimes I have to sidestep that if there's a celebration and I'll let my client know, all right, this is kind of a one-time thing, but if you're going to have alcohol, let's find something that isn't going to proliferate the cancer, right? And I don't drink tequila, but I'll say do a shot of tequila with a little soda. It's got some antibiotic properties, go to town, right? Dairy, for many of my clients, not all of them, but dairy can process into a sugar in the body. So I'm really, really careful with that. If I need to boost fat and I think I can take a chance with dairy, I'll bring in some high fat dairy just to get that fat level up. Estrogenic foods, chia, flax, and soy. Most people think flax is an amazing food. Flax has five times the amount of estrogen as soy. There is a doctor who I see in San Diego, who asked me a couple of years ago if my practice was seeing a lot of young Asian women in their 20s. And I said, no, that's a really interesting question. Why are you bringing that up? And he happens to be besties with a director of a medical group here. And he said they are seeing a massive amount of young Asian women in their 20s who are eating soy, flax, and chia and coming down with breast cancer young girls in their 20s, because they're told that this is healthy. So I pull that for everybody, men too. Uh, grains, the majority of grains, because of how they process in the body, gluten, obviously, I will, for the first 30 days, pull nightshades. I will also pull oxalates for my cancer clients. They don't like that a lot of times. But my goal is to get the body down to the least inflammatory mode as possible. I know nightshades and I know oxalates can cause inflammation and issues with some people. I don't even want to take the chance for the first 30 days, especially if somebody is in the middle of a chemo journey. Let's get the stuff out and let's just see what we can do after that 30 day period we can start a little bit of reintroduction with the nightshades and the oxalates. And we see what the body tells us. Once again, going back to the communication from your actual body. Um, and so, so, so what, what is night, you know, for people out there that don't know nightshades. what nightshades are and also oxalates, so, you know, what kind of food would have be high in oxalates? So, um, nightshades tend to be, now I fall 
mostly in the ketogenic and the carnivore and the paleo space, but nightshades would be tomato, eggplant, peppers, tomatillos. If you eat potato, tobacco, uh, sometimes chocolate can have nightshade properties. I give a little bit of leeway when it comes to chocolate because we always have to have a little something in our life. As far as oxalates, many foods have oxalates. I'm talking about high level oxalates like spinach and kale. People love spinach and kale. They just do because we've all been taught green smoothies are amazing. For some people they might be, but if you're oxalate sensitive, somebody with kidney stones that presenting, you know, somebody with fibromyalgia, you are killing yourself eating that stuff. You're just perpetrating the pain that you're feeling in the joints, right? So I will take those out. If I have someone who is extremely steadfast and will not give them up, I ask them to soak their spinach for an hour before they use it, rinse it, and rinse it again before they use it. It pulls a little bit of the oxalates out, not enough, but there's compromise, there's give and take. So that's pretty much what I do there. I will also oftentimes pull nuts and legumes just because they can also be inflammatory. I try to reintroduce them gradually. I normally choose a fattier nut, like a macadamia, a walnut, a pecan, if we need to reintroduce them. And once again, that's to bring that fat level back up. So that's pretty much it. Sometimes I have to remove nitrates for some people. Um, I also ask that they do not do any bone broth or any collagen because bone broth and collagen can bring a little bit of glutamine into the diet. And even though our bodies have glutamine in it, I just don't want to proliferate it for the cancer. And then that's pretty much removal. Adding in, we so, want- so, so question then, I mean, cause all meats have glutamines in them. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, why bone broth and not like the ribeye? Ribeye is fine. Bone broth is more concentrated. Isn't that crazy? So when I have a client going through chemo, especially, they're developing chemo mouth. They've got that salty taste, that metallic taste. They're like, I can't eat meat. I can't stomach anything. What's the first thing people gravitate towards? They gravitate towards liquid, right? If I've got somebody sucking down, pardon my French, sucking down bone broth all day long, I just feel it's a little bit risky. It's a gut reaction on my part. I'd much rather try to throw in a fatty protein smoothie using some really good beef protein with maybe a hard boiled egg. I don't do anything raw with my chemo clients. We stay away from, you know, raw eggs. Whereas my other clients, we might use a little bit of ride without an issue. But I would much rather formulate their shake differently than adding collagen or bone broth in because it can have a higher level of glutamine compared to a ribeye. I'd love it if they just wanted to eat ribeye. I have no problem with that at all. So then when it comes back to those fats, I love adding in animal fats first if they can handle it. Not everybody can. So sometimes we go to avocado, we go to coconut oils, olives, olive oil. That kind of takes me back to animal fats. Beef tallow is one of my favorites. Oh my God, I love beef tallow. <laughs> Egg yolks are a really good fat source. Lard, bacon, if you like it and you can handle it and it tastes good on the palate, go for it. I will also bring in some oily fish. If I'm following more of the paleo medicina diet with something like a glioma, a glioma, I will try to stay ruminant meat only. Their philosophy is by doing ruminant meats, higher fats, and only seasonally available vegetables in very small moderation that you can help eradicate that cancer or not feed it. So I've used that model on some of my harder, rarer cancer cases. If it's someone who is not in that same dire state, then I'll bring in a little bit more veggie. I will kind of open up that ruminant meat to bring in poultry 
and fishes and I don't worry and some pork if they can handle it. I don't worry about it. If I have someone who has developed chemo mouth with the salty metallic taste, I oftentimes will reach out to Maria Emmerich. I think you interviewed Craig, Maria Emmerich's recipes. She is a fantastic recipe. If any of your listeners are going through chemo mouth, she has a recipe for a lemon curd that is spectacular. I have had so many clients gravitate towards that when they have chemo mouth. It has a great ratio of fat in it because it uses egg yolks and it's cooked. So you're not getting the raw variety. I just tell them, make it, eat it as a meal. I don't even care. It's got a little bit of sweetener. It's got some lemon juice that has carried a lot of my clients quite a bit. Yeah. So and, and, uh, we have, yeah, they blessed us with sending a big box with, you know, all their books. And so we got their oh, books yeah. spread out all over the center. Yeah, that that yeah. all patients when they're getting IVs and things are just loving. So yeah, oh, yeah. they're they're amazing recipes and and it's incredible what what they have available. Yeah, it is. And the really cool thing about their books is at the bottom of each recipe you can see the fat, protein, and carb content. So they do they do some books that are protein sparing, which means you're going to have a higher protein level. You don't always want to do that with cancer because we want to keep that fat level higher. So just take a look at, at the you know little macros that are listed on every single recipe. It makes it so easy. And choose those higher fat recipes. Let that feed your body and hopefully kick out the cancer. Um, I will also use electrolyte supplementation because we all need it, you know, when we're going through a hard time. Um, sometimes that will be simply, this isn't a favorite for a lot of people, but sometimes it'll just be pickle juice. If people cannot tolerate a full electrolyte supplement, I'll have them take their evening meds with a quarter to a half a cup of pickle juice to get the sodium load. It'll help with cramping. They normally can stomach it once they get used to it. We kind of make a joke of it and say it's a pickle martini. You know, we'll do that. I'll also use um, a company called Element. It's LMNT. Love, love, love their products. They're very well sourced. It gives you a great amount of sodium, some potassium and magnesium. I will also use a company called Keto Chow. They make some really great electrolyte drops as well as capsules. And there's also a company, I think it's called Eden or Iden Naturals. You can find the droppers of those. So I'll get that element in there or that uh, electrolyte supplementation in there as well, just so that clients can kind of go through it. The other thing I do that is not food related Actually, I'm going to back up a little bit on the veggie front. When I have somebody with cancer, I don't just say go eat any vegetable that's ketogenic. I will streamline it. I'll pull cabbage out because cabbage can proliferate sugars in the body. But I'll allow a little bit of Brussels sprouts and people get confused. They're like, wait a minute, that makes no sense. And I'm like, well, it kind of does. If I give you this much cabbage, you're getting this much sugar. And if I give you just four to six Brussels sprouts, I don't have that issue. So it really depends on what we're dealing with. And I know that's kind of vague, but because I do bio-individual, I dial it in. I do ask my clients to remove, especially if they have a an estrogenic cancer, I ask them to remove those hormone disruptors in their space. The fragrant candles, the scented laundry detergents, the um, colognes, what else, room sprays, any anything like that. And there's a great website for your listeners to go to. It's ewg.org. It's the Environmental Working Group. A lot of times you can check on there and see what the level of hormones is in something. They also have a skincare website that you can link to. And you can look and see is my shampoo something I need to be worried about? Is my soap something I need to be worried about? Because our skin is our largest organ and it sucks up everything around us. You know, I have a client who loved scented candles. She's also a three time stage four breast cancer client. And um, I'll share her story with you. It's really interesting. 
But she came to me by way of client referral. And I will never forget the day I answered the phone when she called. I don't often get to answer my phone because I'm on client calls, but I answered the phone. She introduced herself and she said, I heard you can save my life. And I said, oh, whoa, no, 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 no. I don't have that power. And I said, I can change your life, but no, I can't do that. And she said, well, I was just told to get my affairs in order. She said, I've had viral meningitis 18 times. I have had stage four breast cancer three times. This is my third round. And I was told I'm not going to live through this one. She's actually one of my testimonials on my website. Her name is Patty. So Patty was told she was not going to live. Um, I told her we don't believe that. We don't think about that. We just move forward. We think positive. We have a positive mindset. Patty had a wicked sweet tooth. We went over what her diet was, how I was going to change it. And as we were talking, I said, have you talked to any of your oncologists during all of these journeys about your diet? And she said, every single time. And they told me, food doesn't matter. You don't need to change it. And I said, well, my belief is a little bit different. She said, that's why I'm calling you. So I started her on a modified therapeutic ketogenic diet. It was a huge change for her. This is someone who cannot moderate sweets. She had to clean out her pantry. She had a hard time doing that. So she shoved everything to the back because otherwise, if there was a pack of cookies, one cookie was too many, 10 wasn't enough, right? They would just keep going in, but she did it. She wanted to live so badly. And she told me that she had a goal of traveling the world. She said, I have planned to travel around the world. My doctors told me I can't do that. During her journey, we started working together in June of 2022. And unfortunately, she had a uh, diverticulitis episode. I think it was that August because she couldn't keep her hands off of the nuts. <laughs> I kept saying, no more nuts, no more nuts. But she was eating massive amounts of nuts and she wound up in the hospital. And unfortunately, she had to have some bowel resectioning and she wound up on a bag. When they put her on the bag, they told her it would never be reversed at all. She was calling me from the hospital. She would not let them put IVs in her. She said, unless my nutritionist says I can have it, you cannot have this. And I'm like, you can have ringer's lactate. Like, you're fine. You know, you don't have to worry about that. But nothing. She was like, nope, doesn't cross my lips, doesn't cross my lips. So they told her this bag is for life. The damage was so severe, can't come off this. We shed a lot of tears together because she said, I can't imagine traveling the world with this bag. It's just not going to happen. And I said, we never say never. Well, fast forward to January. I told her it's time. Like, when are you seeing your gastroenterologist? When is this going? And she had an appointment coming up. And I said, ask about the reversal. She said, they already told me there's no way. By, I think it was the beginning of February, she had a full reversal. She has no bag to date. Patty scans in December, prior to seeing the gastroenterologist, I was on a cruise with my family over Christmas. She was trying to text me. I had no data. By the time I got to a port and I turned my phone back on, I had 15 messages from her going, have you seen my text? Have you seen my text? Have you seen my text? Have you seen my emails? Her scans were clear. There was no more breast cancer. The only thing left is some dormant cells in her bones. They do have her on some cycles of Verzenio. So her scans came back clear. The doctor was wrong. She didn't have to get her affairs in order. She's not dying anymore. She then gets her bag reversed. Two weeks ago, she got back from South Africa. Tomorrow morning, she flies to Egypt. How cool. She's traveling the world. It's How amazing. Cool. It is awesome. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that is only one story. I have two others if you have some time for them. I, I would, yes, I would love to hear the other two stories because uh, okay. it, it's so important for people to understand how, how, diet plays a role so when the oncologist says you know exactly what they told patty that diet mm -hmm. does not play a role diet plays a role 
I mean, Absolutely. It's, it's foundational. And so you cannot, and all these other kind of wonderful therapies, like, you know, people that I do, you know, like all, all the you know, heroic type of treatments, if you don't have the foundation, you know, these therapies are not going to be very effective. You know, Absolutely. And diet is foundational. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is after her scans came back, the oncologist she had had for 10 years fired her. She said, you can't quit me. Like you've been my doctor. And she said, there's nothing else I can do for you. And so she did have to find another oncologist to help her. And the new guy's been great. He supports her diet, but her oncologist fired her. That was pretty telling. Um, Anyway, so I should say I have way more than three stories. I just chose these three because they encapsulate what the diet can do. This isn't me. This isn't I, I bring them to the diet that works or that we hope works. You know, I'm on a wing and a prayer. Sometimes I've gotten really lucky. My job is to instruct, to coach, to guide and to handhold. Their job is to do the work. It's not always easy, but it's been so rewarding. So the next one would be, I'll refer to her as B. She presented with cancer in her lung and her lymph nodes. She's also a COPD patient. And she was told that this might be it, right? She was very nervous about the lymph nodes and the lungs. She was having already having a hard time breathing because of the COPD. There was also suspected cancer starting in the brain. She worked really, really hard. And within a very short period of time, I put her also on a modified therapeutic ketogenic diet. I had to go a little bit heavier on veggies with her and a little lighter on fat. Her body couldn't handle fat but we primarily used ruminant meats, mostly beef, lots of beef tallow and lard, um, along with veggies. At the end of her protocol, I think we worked together probably about five months. She showed no cancer in her brain, none in her lungs, except they found a different spot on the other side of her lung. And they told her she should just go home and cough it up because it was probably a ball of phlegm and nothing in her lymph nodes. She went back to living her life. She still suffers from COPD, but what they thought was going to take her down is completely gone. Right. How, how cool. How so yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so empowering, inspiring for people to, to hear these stories. Yeah. Because when, when a doctor says, you know, anytime you deal with something in the lung, the, yeah, you know, medical profession really don't have a lot to offer. Right. And so to recognize by supporting the body in this way, the, the amazing body, yeah, you know, the, the the amazing power that the body has to heal itself and correct itself when given the opportunity. Absolutely. So my other client's story goes back to that rare glioma that we talked about, the rare glioblastoma. Um, this is a gentleman named Joe. And this one is very close to my heart. He was the first extremely rare cancer that I had dealt with. I had dealt with other cancers, but not this one. He was estimated to be one out of 100 people in the entire world to have this type of mutation. His prognosis when he came to me was very, very poor. Um, he had a one to three month life expectancy, possibly up to six months. He was granted a trip by, I think it's called the Dream Foundation, which is um, for adults who have terminal cancer. And his doctors told him, he and his wife wanted to do a vow renewal in Hawaii. And he came to me in January of 2022. And we talked about that trip. They were going to take the trip in June of the same year. And his oncology team told him he couldn't make the trip. There was no way. And so he and his wife asked me and I said, we don't say no. Like we try. We don't know. You know, medicine's a practice. We just don't know. Let's see what happens. 
Um, the oncology team he was working with in Oregon set him up with an oncology nutritionist. The oncology nutritionist didn't believe that sugar could affect his cancer and told him to just go ahead and eat it. He tried her protocol for, I think it was two weeks and he fired her. And then he came to me. I think he had started with her in like December. So I started him on an autoimmune protocol. I did not go to a therapeutic ketogenic diet right away because he and his wife were doing it together and they were pretty adamant that they would not do keto because of what they had heard about it. And I said, you know, chances are what you've heard about it is not what I can offer you. Like, I think it's going to be a lot more pleasant than you think. Stay off of the internet, do whatever. And they said, no, no, we're not going to do this. And I said, all right, I'll make you a deal. I'll start you on a different protocol, but let's see what happens. And I bet in about a month or so, you'll agree to switch. So I started on an AIP, an autoimmune protocol. They did really well. They both needed to lose some weight, lost some weight. He started feeling really good. He started going through chemo. Things were going fine. And then I convinced them by week six, it's time to switch. Joe got to a point where he was non-ambulatory because of the tumor presenting. The more we got into the modified therapeutic ketogenic diet, using those PKD principles from Paleo Medicina, we were trying to do almost up to 80% fat with protein. It was a little too much for his body. So I had to be careful with that. But the more that we did it, he became a little ambulatory. I still remember the day that he called me and told me, this isn't going to sound like much to most people, but if you're in a wheelchair, this is going to make a lot of sense. He went to, I think he went to Home Depot and maybe the grocery store, and he took almost 1,800 steps. It doesn't sound much to most of us who want to get that 10,000 steps, but when you haven't been taking a step, that's pretty pivotal, right? In October, or no, September of 2022, his oncology team at Stanford, who initially, when he talked to them about the diet I put him on, he said, it's not going to do much. This is a very rare cancer, and we just don't believe it. But if you want to try it, absolutely go ahead and try it. Well, by September... They went to do his scans. They did brain MRIs on him every month. And all of a sudden, the cancer had stopped proliferating. And it was not metastasizing. I wrote down this quote so I would remember it. They said, this didn't just stop growing. It actually looks better. Tell Lisa to keep doing this crazy diet because something is working and we don't know what. So that was pretty pivotal. That was amazing. They also decided to take a break from doing his brain MRIs for a couple months, which was huge. That was amazing. He unfortunately did get to a point where the cancer started metastasizing into his brain. We knew from the start his life wasn't going to be long. His prognosis was terrible. But Joe made it. Ooh. This one hits home. Joe made it 16 months from the time we started working together. And I was really blessed to be with him and his wife the entire time of his journey including just prior to his passing. If anybody could have a beautiful passing, he had a beautiful passing. He had told me right before he passed that I had done more for him than any of his oncologists. And he said, I'm indebted to you. And I said, no, no, no. It was my honor. This was an educational journey for both of us. He told me before he passed that he wanted to make a video. And unfortunately, this didn't happen. But he said, if I don't get it done, you need to let people know that when they have a diagnosis like this, you don't give up. 
And next, when you have a diagnosis like this, you look towards food because food can help heal your body. His goal was to make that video. And he said, anytime you have somebody come to you with this type of brain cancer or any glioma, you make them watch my video. He didn't get a chance to do it, but I will forever share his message. But what a, what, oh, I mean, here you have, and, and, and just, I mean, when you diagnose like that, you know, given one to, you know, three months, you know, two months and, and, you know, those one to two months are usually not that great. I mean, you, you, you deteriorate pretty rapidly and, and quality of life is not great, you know, towards the end. Right. And, and how much, so you just kind of think in your mind, yeah, you know, how much is a day, extra day worth for his wife, for him, and then to get an additional, you know, more than a year? Absolutely. I mean, what what a what a gift. What a yeah. gift. Absolutely. Oh. It was amazing. Yeah. Really, really amazing. Well, Lisa, I, I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing, for the impact that you have on people. And, and Oh, and likewise, well, the it, world it, needs more people doing what you're doing and getting the word out. Yeah, yeah. Well, well thank you. Thank you. The, so and, and how can how can people get a hold of you where, you know, because obviously there are lots of people that need help. I mean, where where can they find you? Oh, absolutely. Um, I work coast to coast. I have international clients. So everything I do is virtual. Unless you are in the San Diego area, then you can meet with me in person. My website is foodhealthsolutions.com. On my website, there is a scheduler to schedule a complimentary call if anybody wants to do that. There is also an email address. You can email me. Um, any detailed questions, I really prefer to do a consultation call. And we just kind of go from there. We talk about what diagnosis is, if I might be the right fit, um, and vice versa, if you're the right fit for my practice. I do want to make sure that people have a really good mindset going into this. Mindset is everything. I can give one client a protocol and somebody else will have a similar protocol, maybe different. And one client, this actually just happened a couple months ago. I had somebody come in with Hashimoto's disease and some other autoimmune stuff going on, not cancer. And after a week of doing the protocol, we met and she said, this is the easiest thing I've ever done. I don't have to think about food. I look at my list and if it's on my list, that's what I eat. I feel better. My disease is dialing down. Everything's amazing. And then I have the other client who has a similar protocol. And after a week, we talk and they say, I can't do this. This is so hard. So we go back to that resolve that I mentioned earlier. What is your why? What is going to make you stick with this? What is going to make your life better? Maybe it's me. Maybe it's something else. I just want to see people have a beautiful life. And just get better. I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. This was awesome. This absolutely, was absolutely awesome. Thank you, Dr. Carlfeld. Best to you. The information this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or treat any disease. If you'd like to know more about what my center offers, please visit thecarlfeldcenter.com. Please join us next week for another live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer on Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feld.